Corona Geeks proudly presents Gurn on these balls. The following audio may contain language that isn't suitable for a younger audience. The opinions expressed are solely those of the speakers themselves and may contain spoilers for current sporting events. Grony Geeks makes no claim to ownership of any of the teams, franchises, or various sources discussed. Listener discretion is advised. For today's topics, we are going to just do a one-off here. We had some good conversation in the Gag Sports Network about Zach Wilson and the controversy surrounding him. We have special guest Blake Knoll on from the Gag Sports Network. He's an avid fan of the page, number one commenter. Thought it would be honorable to let him on the show, let him debate his viewpoints. We have Jeff as our moderator for this evening. Be sure to check out Trendy LED Products, promo code Geeks for 25% off. Follow your QR codes through respective sites. Follow the link tree where you can find us on YouTube, both Facebook pages. The Teesprings for merch, Anchor for the audio-only versions of these shows, and much more. Without further ado, there are now three of us. Tony is busy for this evening, so we have Blake on my left. I am in the top right corner. We got Sir Jeffrey at the bottom, the king of the smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. (laughs) Check out this piping hot content. See, I did it for you this time, so you can... Uh, I appreciate that. You said you weren't going to do so it. I can, so I can be taken seriously as a moderator. <laughs> Look, every YouTube host has something that is a little cliche, a little nutty, just a little bit out there. So, I mean, everyone respects you because we know you can back up all of your opinions very well as far as, you know, everything goes. I haven't heard a bad take appreciate from you that. other than The Last Jedi, but that's... We're on the sports show, so we'll not discuss that. Yeah, at this time. I can back that up, but not the time or the place. <laughs> All right, would you like to give a little bit of the backstory, Jeffrey, or would you like to give you the backstory, like me to give the backstory for today's show? So I'll just hop in and say that we're here to debate the quarterback, Zach Wilson, Zachary Capono Wilson's American football quarterback who played for the BYU Cougars. He is... In this year's NFL draft, it's looking like the New York Jets are very committed to taking him. I'm not sure what pick they have, but number two, there are disparaging opinions about him, his ability to translate what he did at BYU to the next level. Um, and I believe that, Brent, you are anti-Zach. Not entirely Blake, anti, but I'm negative. <laughs> Or we'll say, are you? Is it more of like you're anti him going as the number two pick in the draft, since that's kind of what it looks like is going to happen? That's a more accurate assessment of where we're at. I, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to go number one. I think most people who've seen a Clemson game came to that conclusion. But like every year, there are always a plethora of quarterbacks that people don't exactly know what to do with, and there always kind of seems to be a quarterback who comes out of nowhere makes a splash at pro day or at the combine or something like that. And I believe that, you know, Zach Wilson definitely flew under the radar for people who kind of follow the game more casually. And so it probably is surprising that he's being thought of as the number two pick when, you know, there probably are other choices out there that people may think about like, um, what's his name? Chase Fields. Justin Fields. Yeah. The first name that comes to mind. Yeah, so um, 
I should have did a coin flip, but since Blake, I you are our guest. First. It doesn't matter. Now, Brent's on the show all the time. It's his show. He gets to talk all the time. So we'll start with you, Blake. Why are you, give us just like a quick summary of why you are pro Zach Wilson and more specifically pro him going in that number two spot. So, um, you know, I don't know if I'm necessarily as pro him going in the number two spot just because it's the Jets. I just do think he's the second best overall quarterback in this draft. Um, you know, I just think with what we've seen out of him, um, he has a really high interception to touch or touchdown to interception ratio in uh, college. So he's pretty smart with the ball. Um, he's not reckless. Um, and I, I just, I really think, you know, just looking at what I've seen from him and his measurables and his arm talent, that he has a tremendous amount of upside. Um, and, and, and so much of what we do in this NFL draft, man, is we're really just drafting on upside and potential and what we see and what we think we can coach in these kids. And from what I see from Zach Wilson and the university comes from and BYU and, you know, and, and, and just the leap he made from, you know, last year to this year. And I, I really think that what I've seen out of him is he is coachable and he's really got a lot of potential. And with the amount of arm talent he has, man, and, and, and already has a good touchdown to interception ratio, I, I really believe that some of the, his shortcomings can be coached in the NFL. I think the major ones, ball security and quick decisions and being able to go, get off your first progression – he's shown the ability to do and just, I don't know, like I said, in, in my comments, it's just a gut feeling for me and, and kind of just the eye test on the field, but that's kind of a short synopsis of what I've got on, on Zach Wilson. All right. That's great. Brent, why don't you hop in and tell us not necessarily refute the points that Blake made throughout. Cause I'm taking notes and I'm going to, you know, throw out some questions to kind of challenge so we go back and forth but just from your own kind of knowledge why are you kind of down on Zach Wilson uh first thing I'm going to say is that Blake made the excellent point on the touchdown interception ratio that excellent touchdown interception ratio his last year if it's 33 touchdowns to three interceptions that's an 11 to 1 touchdown interception ratio which is Good anyway, you slice it. Yeah, you're no doing a great point of making Blake's point for him. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make sure we accurately, you know, uh, point out what we got there. But the thing I'm going to point out is his sophomore season was bad. He was four and five as a starter. He only had 11 touchdowns. He had nine interceptions. His year before, in a weak conference, no less not really going to sell yourself to a lot of uh, pro scouts when you're playing a lower level of competition. And not only are you not rising above it, you are playing at it and getting beaten by that level of competition. Kind of worries me there. And he didn't really play any top... He didn't play a single top 15 team at all. His whole last junior year, which was his year that we're comparing him to, you know, some of the greater quarterbacks in this draft... They never played against the top 15 team. The closest he got was number 18 against Coastal Carolina, which was his one loss this season. He had three interceptions in that game alone. Wait, no, he didn't have one, three interceptions again, sorry. He had, he had 240 two. yards passing, a touchdown, and a pick. 
as well as taking a sack, and then he had his career high in rushes that game. So it wasn't one of his stronger games. And I view my quarterbacks based upon the competition that they play in both Fields and Lawrence have shown that they can play against the most elite of the elite, like your uh, LSU Tigers you got in the background there, and can deliver. Zach Wilson hasn't even beaten Coastal Carolina, which until this year was a relatively unknown team. All right, so there we have it. we got our first round out there. We see why everybody is on the side that they're on. Um, okay, so let's let's go back to kind of something brent that you were talking about and i kind of want to hear your thoughts on this blake you know you, you're giving them a, a little bit of a hard time for you know freshman and sophomore year stats and you know transitioning to a new division is definitely going to be hard and but i mean i understand your point of you know he's playing at byu the competition level is not that high compared to you know what fields and some of these other guys faced in their own conferences um but I guess the question is, how much do you guys really feel like we should put stock into that freshman and sophomore year season versus the leap that he seemed to make in his junior year? Just because also note that freshman year, he's a true freshman, not a red shirt, which, you know, a lot of these guys usually red shirt their freshman year as quarterbacks. And even though you're not on the field, you get adjusted to college life. You get adjusted to like grown man football practice and grown man weight training and living on your own and just being a responsible adult as well as taking care of football in school. You know, he came in as a true freshman with all of this on his back in not the best conference, but still what you might consider somewhat of a prestigious football program in a community where that football program is kind of the backbone of like the social life of the community as well. So how much stock, Blake, do you really feel like we should be putting into like that freshman sophomore year versus like the stock that we put into the leap that he made from his sophomore year to his junior year? Um, I mean, I, you you do you don't want to completely discount the sophomore season. Um, you know, it, it, if if that's there, um, that that can show you that he can press a little. Um, and, and maybe if he gets sped up um, or, or gets under pressure a little bit, uh, you know, he, he might not make the right mistake or the right reads and, and can kind of lead to mistakes. Um, but, you know, he, he had a pretty decent freshman season, 12 to three touchdown to interceptions. Um, and then, you, you know, he kind of kind of slumped a little bit his sophomore year. Um, you know, I, I didn't really watch too much of BYU that year, I will be honest. But if I had to guess, you know, the argument that a lot of people like to use is the level of competition. And I do believe that in a lot of cases. Um, but when you use it in the sense of BYU, you have to also think that the level of receivers he's throwing to is also kind of, I mean, it's going to be a little better than the, than the programs he's playing, but it's not like he's playing for the university of Alabama playing, you know, UAB or something like that. So it, it's not like his entire team is going to out athletic the team he's he's facing so i do i do like the leap that he made um i think it showed tremendous growth i think it's very similar i, I don't want to fully compare him but i do think it's similar to the leap that my tiger joe burrow made um, people forget the year before he got drafted number one he was barely 50 percent completion lost five games i mean 
he looked okay at times, but he also looked very pedestrian at times. And, and that's it, it what re- LSU talent at wide receiver. And, and that's what LSU talent. And 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 the sad thing is, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were the year there the year he was the, he was at fifty percent. You know, it took the right scheme. It took Joe Brady coming in. It took the university committing to Joe Burrow and doing an overhaul. There's a lot that goes into these QBs being successful, um, especially at the college level where the kind of the coach is the CEO and controls everything at that university. So, and even the checks on the sideline. I mean, a lot of these guys don't even have their own ability to make their own reads or pre-snap reads. They have to kind of check with their coach. So I just really like the leap that he made. It showed BYU's willingness to commit to him, uh, you know, for the year, uh, really commit to, to airing it out a lot more. Um, he, I mean, he he jumped from barely over 2,300 yards his sophomore year to almost 4,000 yards or 3,700 yards his junior year. So, I mean, airing it out a lot more. His attempts barely up, but, you know, the, the scheme was just a lot deeper throws, giving him giving him more options. So, you know, just, just seeing a university willing to do that in him and 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 showing his ability to grow with it was really nice to see. Um, you know, not to take anything away from Mac Jones or Justin Fields, but you know, maybe eight or nine of the games out of the year, their receivers have ten yards of separation by the time their quarterback's throwing it to them. Zach Wilson never had that all year. So you know, the level of competition can go both ways. Yeah, and I also want to point out one of the bigger leaps was his completion percentage jumping from 62% to 73%. A big jump for one um, season. Although you could also say his completion percentage being 62% is kind of, you know, and I think maybe Brent, if you want to hop in here and kind of talk about your your kind of um, perspective on like his leap from, especially from soft from sophomore to junior year and just like how that factors into your less than favorable (laughs) review. I don't want to call it a con argument, but yeah. Um, Well, the reason that the sophomore to junior year leap is most quarterbacks are finally situated. They've got a couple years with their guys. They built that chemistry, which is the key part of quarterback and wide receiver, the chemistry the timing and getting all the route running and the intricacies of the game, the little fine details that those folks at home are just like, oh, no, they make this look so easy. It's easy because they put in the work. That's why he had that jump from his sophomore year to that junior year. It was a huge jump. And there are two quarterback comparisons. One you already mentioned, the favorable one is Burrow. Because Burrow went from, eh, another LSU quarterback. People were like, oh, yeah, this guy's supposed to be amazing. Why is he not doing so hot? And then Burrow, you know, comes out and balls his junior year, gets drafted, number one overall, and then was setting the NFL on fire. The other comparison is Josh Rosen. Rosen had a pretty cruddy (laughs) sophomore year. And then his junior year, all of a sudden, Josh Rosen just balls out. Somehow gets drafted, you know, like top 15 Arizona Cardinals. Supposed to be this big old deal. Does literally nothing in the NFL. Everyone was overhyping him. They put too much stock in him. And it's a quarter, in a quarterback-driven league, people tend to make drastic reaches. And then sometimes there are drastic falls, like Aaron Rodgers, who played at Cal. 
felt way further back than he should have. But at the yeah. same time, um, as a Packers fan, I was okay with that. <laughs> he lived. <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> slept very well at night with that kind of a drop. But when your comparisons as a ceiling is literally Burrow, it's a good ceiling to have. But when your floor is your other comparison is Josh Rosen. That's exactly who you don't want to be. You don't want to be one of those quarterbacks who are outside one of the premier top five power conferences, as they're called in college football. They're just taking him because, like, oh, yeah, this guy's an unknown. He's going to sneak up on you. He's playing well above what his uh, conference's skill level is. So he's, therefore, he's elite. We've had plenty of those guys who were supposed to come in in this league from the non-premier conferences and just absolutely tear the roof off this thing. I always err on the side of caution when you're making the quarterback jump. I like his transition and how he was growing, but I felt like he needed at least another year more before we could have really had another um, solid argument to say maybe this could be one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. Because in my opinion, he's easily the third best quarterback. Well, I mean, the space between two and three in terms of quarterbacks isn't like a, a a large like cavern are you feeling like you know it should be like fields instead of him that teams are are looking at at that second spot i have fields night and day over zach wilson okay so why let's 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 shift the argument a little bit too because i know like a lot of times when it comes with the quarterbacks in the nfl draft like the the actual like joe burrow versus josh rosen argument is kind of perfect because you know, you get those quarterbacks who make a huge splash. I mean, I'm 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 not sure how old you are, Blake, but Brent, I know I'm older than you. And but I remember Ryan Leaf in college and thinking yeah. he was just going to tear the NFL apart. And that man, people are arguing him or Peyton. And yeah, Marcus yeah, really Russell would be one Blake's more over. familiar with. <laughs> yeah, and so hey, there, man, his work ethic killed him. Yeah, and so there's there's so many different. Um, reasons why like players fall in the draft or fall and you know there's playing reasons why other reasons why um i'm just curious maybe on for for you guys' perspective because most draft boards i see also have zach wilson going number two which i'm sure is like part of the argument why do you why do you guys feel like the jets an organization that has been struggling for a majority of my life would be looking at Zach Wilson instead of Justin Fields. When we kind of, you know, when we look at the arguments we're making level of competition, Justin Fields is playing best of the best and putting up big numbers and playing well in a high pressure situation. Again, at a school, Ohio state where that school's football team is kind of the backbone of the community as well. And he's a star in his neighborhood. Just like, so I'll start with you, Brent. Why do you kind of feel like Justin Fields should be like looked at ahead and maybe why he's not being thought of as like that number two pick? And then we'll go to you, Blake, kind of for thoughts on, on that as well. The reason that Justin Fields isn't getting as much attention as he should is because he's getting a lot of harsher criticisms from a lot of analysts who, for whatever reason, seem to have a bias against African-American quarterbacks. For whatever reason, whenever we get to this part of the draft analysis, it seems for whatever reason, 
African-American quarterbacks are put under a much, much tighter microscope than what the uh, Caucasian quarterbacks are because Patrick Mahomes should have been leagues higher than Mitch Trubisky was in a draft a couple years back. Mahomes' intangibles and everything he put together on the field were some of the best that we've ever seen going into a drafting process. For whatever reason, he fell to number 11. And then look what he's done to well, the league right now. I think Cliff I think Cliff Kingsbury, being his offense coordinator, had a little <laughs> bit to do with that. Everybody didn't know if it was Cliff or Patrick. But, yeah, I agree with that point. I, I, I do think Patrick was the best quarterback in that draft even before it. Um, but to continue on with what Justin Fields is doing is – the only criticism that we can really say on him is that he was a backup quarterback his freshman year. Wilson was starting his freshman year. Fields was a backup at Georgia, which is still one of the more elite programs in the SEC, which I'm sure you're familiar with that they are a tough thorn in your side every single year. But his sophomore year, 13-1. and <laughs> His junior year, 7-1 in the COVID-shortened season. He put up impressive numbers in that uh, sophomore season. He was a Heisman finalist. 41 touchdowns to three interceptions, 3,300 yards, and he took his team as far as he possibly could. And then this year, you know, he took his team to the ab- to the absolute pinnacle of college football, took him to that championship game, lost to Alabama. No harm, no foul on that one. Because, I mean, you just look at Alabama, and about half that roster is going to be playing in the league next year. And Fields still had a good game against them. And he absolutely tore up Clemson in that conference championship game. 385 yards passing, six touchdowns, got eight rushes, 42 yards. The only knock in that game is he threw one interception in garbage time that didn't really matter. I mean, yeah, no, he looked really good in that game. He has, he throughout really his good. career, two losses, and he's got 20 wins. To me, proven winner, proven stats. He is playing with a little bit better talent wise, but at the same time, my comparison to him is he's a little bit slower, Lamar Jackson, but he's got better accuracy which has always been Lamar's Achilles heel. Pretty good ceiling to have. So, Blake, let, yeah, let's get your thoughts, too, on why like someone like a Justin Fields kind of has not, not necessarily fallen in your eyes, but, I mean, it looks like most people have him as, like, the third quarterback behind Wilson and Lawrence. Um, and I know you kind of agree with that, just because you're looking at it more with just like pros of Zach Wilson, but you know, kind of when you look at their resumes and like what we just talked about, it kind of does seem strange that, and I'll, I'll just say from my perspective, it is kind of strange that like we have college football and, you know, these guys go out there and they tear it up all year. And then you have like your Justin Fields and even like Deshaun Watson's and, players like that who kill it in college and they're putting up all these stats. And then when it's time for like draft analysis, it's like, here comes this random ass quarterback from BYU. Here comes this random dude from like, here comes Mitchell Trubisky. And it's from just North like, Carolina. what? Yeah. <laughs> like wrong, like wrong sport. First of all, cause nobody cares about UNC football at all. So just, I, I, I kind of would be interested to kind of hear your thoughts on that too. Cause I'm sure like, some people can look at that and, you know, just to make sure like people's, I just want to give you a fair chance to kind of just be like my, that's not what's swaying my argument or whatever, anything like that. So, yeah. So, so using Brent's um, 
analysis where he was kind of talking about ceilings and floors of players. Um, you know, the NFL draft is all about potential. We've, we've said it uh, a few times. Um, I think when you look at Justin Fields, um, I think what he has going for him, um, I think he's probably, if you include Trevor Lawrence in, in this, I think he's probably the second best quarterback ready if he had to start week one. Um, I think that really does help Justin Fields. I think he's proven that he can be a team leader. Um, the Big Ten only played football this year because he was such a big advocate of really trying to, you know, he, he really pushed the um, people to make the decision to bring it back when they decided they weren't going to. So I, I think he has all the intangibles you need. Um, I think when it comes to Justin Fields, uh, I think the thing that kind of gives people cause for pause is, uh, and Brent mentioned, you know, 2019, man, he, he, he tore it up. Um, you know, he, he had 41 touchdowns, three picks. Um, nobody could stop him. I mean, they were everything he was doing. He was getting out of sacks. He, he looked really good. Um, I know we played in a, a COVID shortened year this year and stuff, but I do know teams like Michigan and stuff were down more in 2020 than they were in 2019. And he kind of come back to earth a little bit. He, he came down to 22 and six um, touchdowns to interceptions. And I mean, even though his completion percentage went up, it was, it seemed like Ohio State, I don't want to say took the ball out of his hands. Um, but you saw them commit to the run a little bit more as teams started to kind of key in on what they were doing with fields. And I think what you're starting to see with the NFL teams and, and kind of, in my opinion, is what makes the great quarterbacks great is what can you do when your best is whatever you do best isn't working because great defenses are going to take that away. Um, and that's the Lamar argument. You know, Lamar took the league by storm his MVP year. But once the team started kind of double spying him and playing too high or single high and or playing single high, excuse me, and making him beat them deep, you know, teams started to figure Lamar out a little bit. And now the Ravens are kind of having to change their offense a little bit, kind of back off the run. Um, you know, they're still committing to the tight end, but they're having to evolve Lamar. And I think that's really where Justin Fields falls into the third slot. Um, kind of, you know, he's, he's leaps ahead of Trey Lance, but he's in that Trey Lance scene of man, great potential, but he's, you know, done it this way, his whole career. And, you know, with Justin Fields, he had to transfer because Georgia didn't want to commit to his style of offense that, you know, the read option style, they, they still ran their power offense and their play action when the NFL sure if he can evolve into that yet with you know Zach Wilson and, and Trevor Lawrence kind of does it but with Zach Wilson that's really what BYU does you know they're not out athleting people they're not read I mean they do read uh, uh, RPOs but that's not their whole game plan um, he runs but you know it's more designed plays where Justin Fields kind of when the play breaks down he can go 60 real quick so I mean, they're both great quarterbacks. I just think when you when you when you really split hairs, when you really compare these guys, because they're really close between Zach and Justin. I think Justin is better now, and he could start next week 
But I think what the Jets have with having Sam Darnold on the roster and nobody's really willing to trade him, I think they're looking for a guy they can start a year or two from now and they can kind of develop. And Zach Wilson's shown by you being high. I think that's kind of – maybe that's me also being a prisoner of the moment. But I think that's really where NFL teams are kind of splitting those hairs is, you know, Zach Wilson's closer to an NFL-style offense. So, Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, that actually leads me into, like, the next question because that number two spot is the Jets. And, you know, as we as I mentioned earlier, that's an organization that has not been <laughs> known for its winning uh, – <laughs> They should draft Heritage. Kyle Pitts if you ask me, but well, that was going to be my be, question. That would be, you know, suicide yeah. for their fan base. But yeah, I was I was actually going to say, you know, they have the number two pick in this draft, and we're talking about them drafting a quarterback that's going to sit on the bench for like. rid of just suffering whatever loss that they have to suffer so maybe he's maybe he's in that number two slot just because it works a lot better for what the Jets need right now but then does that still mean they have to stay at number two to take him I mean I think I read some things about the 49ers kind of being interested or whatever but I don't know. It seems it seems a little interesting to me, just like on the business side of things. It's kind of like for me, I look at it like, well, if you were really looking for a quarterback for the future, you could probably like trade down maybe and still be able to land him and get some other stuff with him. But it looks like they're trying to stay in the number two spot to get him. So it seems a little weird. I don't know. Brent, are you frozen? Are you there? I'm here. I can hear you guys. I just not oh, okay. moving. <laughs> yeah, your video just. I was like, you bit. seem very upset of my critique of the Jets. Oh uh, no, no, he's right now. Critique the Jets <laughs> no. all you want. Yeah. Um. So I kind of wanted to get you guys' thoughts. I'm going to start with you, Blake, on just like the strategy because I think too part of the argument for a lot of people is you know where you get drafted determines like a lot of stuff. You know, it determines basically how much you're going to get paid and how much money you probably can or can't command for essentially the rest of your career, which is, you know, kind of why draft order like matters so much. But also, you know, when you start thinking about a team like the Jets and, you know, as a Packers fan, I can look at the Bears as like a comparable example of like we see them have like potential and they're built on defense, but they just never make the right decision when it comes to the guy under center. And that is going to be like your Achilles heel holding them back. And so you kind of already address like, you know, why they would probably take um, uh, Zach, what's Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson over fields just because they're building towards the future or whatever. But I guess any thoughts about maybe him being a better fit for the Jets, but maybe still not necessarily being that second quarterback picked, if you if you get what I'm saying. Just because, like, if we're talking about Justin Fields 
being the probably the player that's going to come in and make more of a direct impact right away. Mm-hmm. It seems like if you have the number two pick in the draft, you're going to be looking for a player to do that versus a player who's going to sit on your bench for two years. If you're the Jets, if you were somebody else and you have your quarterback situation straight, I mean, you wouldn't be drafting a quarterback anyway, but like, let's say you had a strong defense or something and you just want to groom him. Like I get that, but I can't even think of anything that the Jets do particularly well right now. So it seems strange to be drafting for (laughs) player but I think with the Jets man and, and the same argument with the Bears I think they may not be necessarily picking the wrong QBs I think they may like you know with Adam Gase and who is it Matt Nagy in in Chicago I think both of them are struggling to kind of develop QBs or maybe create a creative system that defensive coordinators once they figure you out you know what's your what's your new thing um, that's why whoever goes at three, which, man, Justin Fields falling to three would be a blessing for him. Um, but whoever goes at three, I think is going to look the best just because they have Kyle Shanahan drawing up plays. Um, you know, w- with with the Jets, I think the real reason we're going Zach Wilson is, again, I think they can't get off of Sam Darnold. He's got his fifth-year contract after this year. They have to make a decision. Are they going to pay him that third or $20 million or whatever that huge jump There's that fifth no year is? And they don't <laughs> want to. And I think what they're doing is they're picking the best QB that they believe that they can sit a year and, and, and groom. And that's where I think Zach Wilson has the highest ceiling. Um, you know, I – but here's, yeah, again, the, here's, the, okay, but see, here's, the, here's the issue with this because we also know how NFL fans are, right? And we know what happens when you draft a quarterback, especially mm-hmm. that high. They, it ain't no more like, you know, when I was a kid, oh, we drafted this guy and we sat him for two years, or like Aaron Rodgers, even. He was probably the last one you can really think of where it's like we drafted him, we sat him for like two or three years, groomed him, molded him, and he was the heir apparent because. When you as sorry as Sam Darnold and you start airing them balls out and the, you're throwing them to the wrong jersey, and we're mm-hmm. going to have fans Same in the goes. stadium this year, like it's not going to be like last year where you just throwing in an echo chamber. It's only going to be so many games before you hear that we want Wilson start yeah. coming down from the crowd. And so it's like, is that even going to be like the like eventually like, how long can you just let Sam Darnold be sorry and not put Wilson out there? So is that like kind of incubation period that you're talking about ideally? Is that even, you think that's even realistic in the modern NFL? 
I'd say yeah. Um, not to not to kind of jump in on Brent, but I, I'd say yeah, just because um, you know traditionally Patrick Mahomes sat for a little over a year. Uh, people forget Daniel Jones sat for almost a full season behind uh, Eli Manning. Um, Lamar Jackson sat for a little bit. Um, uh, uh, got him. Uh, Herbert sat a few games before he took over from Tyrod. So I mean, he didn't. These guys but that didn't one was more because that, that, that was because the doctor spoke the hole in his lungs. Yeah, I, <laughs> but he would have been playing eventually. But, but he but he had been taking backup reps throughout the you know uh, preseason sure. and and through preseason he you know he was with the second team before all that happened. So. Um, you know, it, w- w- when you take these QBs, the fan base is smart. They know it's inevitable. Uh, you know, your starter knows they're smart, just like Garoppolo. Garoppolo is very unhappy right now in San Francisco because he knows after next year they can cut him, don't owe him a dime, and he's gone. They traded yeah. up to three. The writing's on the wall. And so, I mean, it, it, you, you kind of have a year where you have to commit almost, I won't say tanking, but you do have to kind of commit to – Hey, this isn't going to look pretty. And I think if the Jets do it right and they set the expectation, I think the fans will be okay with it. I don't think the fans so much will 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 be um, upset. I think the 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 question comes: Do they trust Adam Gase to develop him? Um, do they think that you know Zach Wilson can grow under him? Because people can say what they want about Darnold. I don't think it's all on him. He doesn't look any better than he did three years ago when he got drafted. He, he looks like he's made no improvement. And I just don't see how you can get drafted at all and not have some improvement. So I think some of that falls on on the uh, the coaching staff. So I don't want to – Is it even Adam Gase anymore? I think yeah. it's Robert Saleh. Saleh. They just oh, had Saleh. Oh, yeah, like, like, yeah new coach. Okay, okay. So maybe maybe under a new coach, that, that, that might be why. So – um, I kind of got my facts a little messed up there, but yeah, Gase, he, he, you know, he, he didn't do any kind of developing. So maybe, and maybe the Jets think that Darnold can develop under the new coach, you know, who knows? So Carson Wentz looked great under one head coach or, uh, office coordinator. And then when he switched offense coordinator, he got benched. So like you said earlier, a lot of it has to do with where these guys get drafted and what their situation is. And I really think three is the best place to go. So I, I don't think it's necessarily bad for Justin Fields to go there. I think the real question now becomes, is it a smoke screen that we've seen that Mac Jones is going three? Because then, you know, does Fields fall to Atlanta at four? Well, we've heard Atlanta won uh, uh, Trey Lance. If all four of those guys go over Justin Fields, now we really need to question these executives. Right, right. Brent, what do you what do you think? Um, the best case scenario for any quarterback, I, if, even if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I would love to go to three, regardless of pay scale and all that. But Trevor Lawrence is surefire number one. Um, whoever gets drafted by the Jets, I'm sorry that your first uh, couple years of your career are going to be more or less wasted. Because, <laughs> I mean... They aren't built to win now. I like Robert Saul as a head coach. I like that he was the first, I think he was the first Muslim hire in the NFL, um, which that's fantastic for a head coaching position. If I got that wrong, I do apologize. I know he's one of the first of his nationality to get a position as a head coach in the league, which is phenomenal that the league is attempting to diversify because the NFL has been uh, critiqued 
for not doing that sooner. Um, but if I could go to the 49ers and, you know, San Francisco, even though they play in Santa Clara, which isn't anywhere close to a beach, uh, I send me to California, beautiful hot summer day versus, you know, New York. I'm, I'm pretty sure I want to go there without even looking at the football culture that's been built because the 49ers have been winning and winning pretty decently the last two years. I mean, I know last year was a down year. There's a lot of injuries. There were a lot of bad things going on. Garoppolo can't stay healthy to save his life. He's spending his free time hanging out with porn stars as opposed to, you know, trying to work on his craft. So not really what you'd want from your QB1. <laughs> so that comes to lack of effort, man. You know, that's why it hasn't made a leap since New England. Yeah. So I'm Talking completely Garoppolo. comfortable with uh, Garoppolo as a, as a bust. Um, if I'm field and they take Wilson gets taken by the Jets, uh, totally happy going to San Francisco. If he falls past three, I would be shocked. Um, but if Atlanta took a quarterback, I'd also be horribly, horribly shocked. With Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts they both available, one. let alone Mika, Mika Parsons. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. What people don't seem to understand is that his offensive mm -hmm. line doesn't save his life. That's another argument for another day. Yeah, but I am with I'll say, Tony I'll say this about <laughs> I'll say this about Matt Ryan. His best years are behind him. Well, yeah, most quarterbacks' and so best you're, years are behind if you're him. Atlanta, so if you're Atlanta and you're, Francisco. <laughs> if you're Atlanta and you're like, how long are you going to like, are you going to ride that to the wheels fall off and then go back to like obscurity? And when, you know, you have a quarterback like a Justin Fields where, you know, I, I, I'm from Atlanta and I was there when Michael Vick got drafted. And, you know, I know it's not it, like it shouldn't be like a huge, huge race thing. But if there's any court, if there's any team in the NFL that should have a black quarterback, it's Atlanta. It's if there's any team in the NFL that would benefit the most from having a black quarterback in terms of appealing to its customer base, appealing to the city that it's in, the region that it's in, the culture that is like derived from that city. It's Atlanta. So. If I can look at some, and, and on top of that, it being Justin Fields. Who used to and us, be a quarterback from who's, who's, yeah, know, who's from, from Atlanta, who's successful, you know, prodigal son returns home. And, you know, and you don't even have to worry about, oh, he's got these problems and then, you know, upstanding character guy that, you know, the corporate types can get behind as well. He's ridiculously tough. It's to like, you he know, rip smashed in in the college football championship and he put up the <laughs> highest pro football focus grade both against Alabama and against Clemson by any quarterback all year. So not only exactly. is he a winner, he's a leader because he can go out there and take those tough hits and show that he's got the gall to stand in that pocket and take some big hits because the NFL ain't soft for anybody. <laughs> he's got a big frame too for only being 6'3 at 230. That's that's a pretty solid frame. So yeah, he's, he's the heaviest of the he's three not quarterbacks. The He's not tiny, so that's that's one thing positive in, in Justin is, you know, he's that runner, but you don't have to worry about him falling apart, I guess, like some of the smaller guys. Because Fields is 230, Lawrence is only 220, and Zach Wilson is the smallest of them at 210. I mean, Lawrence is the tallest Trevor's by like, like six, three six, inches. He, he is 6'6". Six, six. The other yeah. two quarterbacks are both 6'3". Yeah. So, I mean, they're not small compared to the average dude, but at the same time, by the NFL standards, Lawrence is head and shoulders – viewed in a better eye because you say a 6'6 six, six quarterback I'm immediately more interested than you know 6'3 six, 6'1 six, whatever you know people will say although you are seeing shorter offensive linemen nowadays you know the old the old 
saying was you can't have a short quarterback because you can't see over his line. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But the tackles still seem big because they got to deal with the ends. But a lot of your guards now, they're wanting those short, stocky guys to get the leverage. Um, you know, the Clinton Nelsons and stuff that are only like six one. So I think six three is I don't think that's gonna hamper him at all. So now, I mean we've Not seen quarterbacks like Russell Wilson playing. at six one who, you know, has lit up yeah. the league for years and everyone's like, Oh, he's too yeah. short and then Breeze lit up the league. He's you know, six one as well. And he's the one Not of the most mention, athletic people we've seen. When you look at like Justin Fields at Ohio State, it's like all them offensive linemen he was playing behind are going to the NFL. So he's yeah. he's used to playing behind like an yeah. NFL caliber offensive line. And so you can't necessarily use the excuse that like he won't be able to see over because like all these dudes that he's playing behind now are probably going to go pro in some form or fashion. So he's used to playing behind essentially like a pro NFL. Um, I really do, man. I, I think the one big question mark people have on Justin Fields is what does he look like under center? Looks great in shotgun. What does he look like under center? And I feel like I the think, league well, the is like going is, away from that, you know, under center mentality. It's like we're going to do a lot they, of shotgun they are, and pistol but, formations. I don't know, okay, man. So this, Tennessee, this me- Tennessee kind of brought it back with Derrick Henry. I think what goes around comes around. But it's Derrick only Henry's one, one in a million. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one of them bad boys. So, but th- that actually is perfect segue into my next question because, really, I think what what this all about what it's all about is you know what we kind of talked about earlier where we talk about ceilings and floors, right? And you don't want to draft somebody who's going. You want to draft somebody who's going to get as close to that ceiling as possible. Um, and live up to that potential as possible. But also, you know, what we talked about too is teams, organizations, coaches. Not again. Come on. Parkbacks flame out because they've had multiple coaches, multiple coordinators coming in, not being able, you know, really have time to learn a system, develop chemistry. And or you know, lack of talent around them, man. Yeah, Some of them just have to lack, deal with that. No receivers, can't get separation, etc. Um, and then we kind of have. So my question is, you know, for a person like uh, Justin Fields, who we feel like can come in and make a direct impact from day one, versus Zach Wilson, you know, if you're a, uh, because now now I'm thinking about. he's not going to fall that far or you have like the eighth picking, you know, Justin Fields not going to fall probably to like eight or nine or 10, you know, Carolina wishes he would, but yeah. yeah. So if you're a Carolina and you're saying like, I would take a Justin Fields and I would build my offense around it. Um, Why aren't teams like kind of, why do you guys think maybe teams aren't trying to like trade up and get a Justin Fields? If we feel like he's the player that would probably have, Wilson because they have like the whole Sam Darnold thing going on and they got to figure that out but they like to have him in the back pocket but you know you could easily trade up maybe with the Jets and throw them like one or two especially if you're one of these teams that's like a piece or two away you know Chicago I'm 
I'm happy with what they're doing as like a division rival, but it kind of is like, do you want to be, do you want to just be like that team? That's just like bringing in Andy Dalton, <laughs> you know, to go up against Aaron Rodgers week after week and all these other, do you want to be Detroit where it's just like, yeah, we're going to ride with Jared Goff. And it's just like, he's not good. He doesn't even like, mm-hmm. like he's not good. So if he I don't mean, have play action, he can't he can't do nothing. Yeah, and if he doesn't have the coach like talking him in his ear, like literally controlling him like a player on Madden, he has nothing to offer. Like if the if the defense waits until the <laughs> microphone is like cut off before they show you their defense, you can give Jared Goff problems all day because he can't read a defense and he can't audible and he can't make any sorts of like adjustments. So um, I guess my question is more about like should teams be like doing more to like change their systems to fit some of these like impact players from day one? Um, just because like, you know, like you said with Justin Fields, the question about him is can he do it under center, right? But it's kind of like we've seen teams kind of have success with more of these like shotgun offenses and things like that. Like, you know, uh Aaron Rodgers is not under center all the time. Lamar, Mahomes, like a lot of these guys are playing a lot more pistol shotgun. Mm -hmm. Now you bring up a good point about Derrick Henry because the league was going away from that power style offense. But when Derrick Henry walks in the door, you got to look at Derrick Henry and be like, we have, it's almost like in in Avengers when they were just like, we have a Hulk. It's like when you have a Hulk, you got to build a team that Hulk works in. So I'd go a step further than that, though, man, because the Ravens, the Ravens with uh, Mark Ingram, I mean, yeah, Lamar, they, they, they didn't really trust his arm as much, but they really committed to two and three tight ends and running the ball really heavy with Mark Ingram. Uh, the 49ers, when... be able to attain and I think what is still proving to win more often than not in this league is a consistent balanced maybe 60 40 pass but not much more than that um, where your play actions working you can go shotgun you can go under center you can go pistol you always keep a defense guessing and you always keep them switching personnel if a defense if you sit in one offense the whole game guess what? You allow the defense to sit in one defense the whole game, and then they can just start keying in on what you're doing, and you see what the Buccaneers did. What is Kansas City going to do now that teams start using that two-high blueprint on them, doubling Tyreek Hill and Kittle and making their backside receiver beat you? You know, are they going to commit to the run with Clyde more? 
And I think that's really what you're starting to see, where you had the three in the NBA, Golden State evolved it, but then it kind of fell back to earth. You know, the Lakers. It's like you look at Houston and Houston misses 27 threes because they're trying to play like Golden State. But it's like, exactly. They they tried to out Golden State, Golden State, and they can never get over that hump. The only team that could eventually dethrone them was the Raptors. And it took Golden State not having their shooters and the Raptors being the closest thing to them as far as three-point shooting to, to beat them. You know, the Lakers won last year with a lot of paint. They want to, you know, they're going back to the old style because everybody got small. So guess what? The paint's weak again. The NFL is the same thing. Once all these linebackers go to 220, 225, teams are going to start pounding the ball again because those linebackers are going to get pushed around. So I, I still don't necessarily fully buy into the Patrick Mahomes offense wins championships yet you know he's still only no, one but I, but I think my my question is more about it's less about trying to play like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and more about like looking at a player especially with court at quarterback right and saying like we don't really have nothing going on for us I'm speaking as the Jets right now we don't have yeah. much going on for us on the offensive side of the ball our quarterback, when we draft a quarterback, if we have this guy that we can bring in and he does like special things and we need to just tweak this, 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 and this to make him better. And that makes our team better. I'm just more, I guess, referring to like looking at your team and playing into those strengths as opposed to like having a philosophy and executing that philosophy regardless of personnel. And I think that's where I kind of, I agree with you because like, I feel like that's what Houston did. Like Mike D'Antoni has a philosophy of how you play basketball and it doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. You're going to play eight seconds or less basketball. So if you're Shaq, you don't work. Even though you're one of the greatest players of all time, you don't work in Mike D'Antoni's philosophy. So he he's not going to look at you and say, well, I have like one of the most dominant players of all time, but I'm not going to switch my philosophy for that. So Brent, I'm going to go to you. What are are your kind of thoughts on kind of the balance between, like, philosophy versus, like, player um, skills and, like, how teams should, like, balance the idea of we have this philosophy versus we have this players to let's do everything to kind of benefit them? Uh, That's a great question, really, and uh, I think it should be one of our final points because we really talked about a broad and great variety of things today on our show. Um, I think the NFL as a whole is going to keep with their traditional coaching schemes because of the NFL and the way that it does business. The NFL loves pushing the team mantra football. The more they make their guys look like stars like the NBA does and the way the MLB does or the way even soccer does. You're going to have to start throwing out all these big bucks for this one player. Like, I don't think every franchise wants to look at, you know, Patrick Mahomes deals like, well, we got Mahomes money lying around. He's worth every penny as of now. But what happens if he starts, you know, doing bad the next couple of years, the league figures him out. It's a 10 year deal. He's worth half a billion dollars. It's not a you know, small chunk of cheddar that you can just sit on and somebody's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go pay for that. It's a huge investment, and they want to keep pushing this team-driven football, and they don't want a quarterback 
to succeed too much if they change the philosophies every single year. They want to win because they want to make money, but they want to do it their way. And there's a lot of old heads at the table when it comes to the NFL. Not a lot of want, not a lot of them want to change and diversify what they have going on in order to win. They want to win their way, and they want to play with house money, for lack of a better term. They want to. They don't want to start playing with these wild card quarterback superstars who can, you know, burst their you know bank accounts. Well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that for sure. And I think that's why we have so many teams personally that suck and suck for a really, really, really long time because they look at a Justin Fields and they say, well, I don't know how he would be under center as opposed to saying, well, we got a bunch of dope wide receivers and we don't really have a run game. So if we take somebody like him, he fits into like, what we already have, and then we can add that stuff on. We can try to catch a third or fourth round running back or something in the next year. And even as he's playing, like developing his game and building on that. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, as a Packer fan, I saw it firsthand with Mike McCarthy, just like he ran the same playbook for like 10 straight years. Everybody knew what we were going to do when we came into every single game. And Where's it was just Derby a matter room? of, yeah, and it was just a matter of like, are we going to catch the ball or not today? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, That's why I a... like saying Andy Reid, man. You know, they don't they, they don't grow on trees. Him, and, him yeah. and Kyle Shanahan, you know, they they seem to do well with whatever they have. Um, Same exactly. with uh, Bruce Arians because I know he did well when he was in yeah, Arizona with one of your boys, Patrick Peterson. He uh, almost brought them a chip. Yeah. That's a room yeah, for them against I, Pittsburgh he, heavy. He took, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the old USC guy. And, oh, uh, no, USC not Kurt guy. Warner. Uh, oh, Liner? I want to say Carson. No. Palmer? Um, Carson Palmer? Carson Palmer. They took him, and I think he, when he, yeah, yeah, he was the one who caught the, Larry, Larry Fitz caught the overtime again. Sorry, yeah, man, you're packing. No, it's all yeah. good, man. It's <laughs> all think good. about it for a minute. That's, that's Mike yeah. McCarthy, folks. Oh, he never should have had Don's. We, yeah, we don't have to get into. But 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 Bruce trying to run his offense with Tom Brady, and then he realized halfway through the year, hey, that's Tom Brady. Let me yep. let him run his offense, and they didn't lose another game, and they won a championship. So there, there's definitely some some merit to these guys need to be a little bit more willing to change. Um, I just think they kind of most teams aren't going to change for a rookie. Um, you know, it would take like a Deshaun Watson getting traded to your team or, uh, you know, a Matthew Stafford coming in from Detroit. It's going to take one of those proven guys that yeah. you know, if you're going to change your whole pro, your whole philosophy over one man, the other 252, the 52 other guys on the roster are going to say something. So yeah. you yeah, have to have, have to buy in. They have yeah. to be willing to buy into the change too, and yeah. I think that also comes to a lot of the reluctancy of these programs to change. Is you know, yeah, but it's, uh, it's just for a certain scheme. Do they want to change schemes? It's just funny because it's like looking back historically. It's like when we tell our kids that Michael Vick had to sit behind Chris Chandler because he <laughs> was just a rookie, and because we just didn't we couldn't like change our whole team or even, you know, talk going back to golden state and how, you know, Steph Curry used to not play crunch time fourth quarter minutes because 
Mark Jackson preferred Jared Jack in those they, situations. And they fired Mark Jackson because yeah. they didn't think that offense worked. Year later, and, they win a championship. Yeah. And so, Curry was like the fourth point guard in his draft taking. Minnesota could have drafted him twice, and they drafted Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio instead. So you never know like how that goes. Oh. Yeah, I think you cut out. Well, so um, this is a great conversation. Um, Blake, we really appreciate it. We're definitely going to, well, I mean, this ain't even my show, but I feel comfortable enough speaking for Brent to say we definitely will have you back to talk about a few things, maybe some post-draft stuff, maybe some preseason stuff. Um, Man, we're going to have some good trades. I think we're we're definitely in for uh, a crazy draft day. I think you're going to see a lot of movement that morning. Um, I don't think the Jets are going to move. I think the 49ers move into three showed that's as high as you can get. Um, I'm sure they called the Jets first. Oh, for um, sure. But now the question with Atlanta comes, do you want Trey Lance or do you want multiple first-round draft picks in the future? Look, man, I'm going to tell you like this. I'm not even a Falcons fan, but a lot of my family and friends are because, like I said, I'm from Atlanta. If they draft a quarterback from North Dakota State, over nah. Justin Fields. What? You can have Carson Wentz 2.0? Nah, man. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> Carson, are you getting though, you know? It's going to be a problem. <laughs> it is. And that's that's the argument with him and Mac Jones. I think everybody's so worried about getting their quarterback. Those two guys are really getting overdrafted. I think Trey Lance and... This thing is just... End of the world of OBS. I mean, sell me on a quarterback from Alabama. I'm hanging up the phone. I just, I've, it just, it just doesn't work. And it just, I mean, who was the last one? Nobody. Like, nah. Joe AJ McCarron. I think AJ McCarron had like four starts in Cincinnati and it was terrible. Yeah. And he never saw the field since. Not interested. Well, that's all the time all we right. have, Grown and Geeks. Thank you. Jeff has done an amazing job hosting. Blake, thank you for coming on, but we're going to wrap before my internet takes another dump. Thank you. <laughs> Be sure to check out the Gag Sports. Thank you for listening to Grown and Geeks on your preferred streaming service. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and YouTube, both under Grown A Geeks.